Golden Spiral Media presents Dark Matter, a fan podcast dedicated to Extant on CBS. Each week, Mike and Dave explore the mysteries, characters, and drama that unfold on Extant, and they want to hear from you, too. Send in your thoughts by calling 304-837-2278 or visiting goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. Now, here are your hosts, Mike and Dave. Hello and welcome to a prequel episode of Dark Matter and Extant Podcast. My name is Mike. And I'm Dave and this is show number zero where... Mike, is zero even a number? <laughs> it is now. It is? Okay. Because I think it's in between one and eight. Oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to be talking about who we are and what we know about CBS's new summer one-off series, Extant, which is actually very little, including how to actually pronounce the name of the show. <laughs> yeah, we've been saying Extant this whole time, and we just did twice there, but it might actually be Extant. Yeah, and you so, know, it's it's funny because we both went online and tried to look at interviews, hoping that somebody in the cast or associated with CBS would actually say the name of the show. And of course they didn't. <laughs> yeah, the only one that said it was uh, Pierce Gagnon, and he's fairly young, so I'm not sure if I necessarily know if he's just not getting the same kind of pronunciation confusion that we are. So, <laughs> Plus he's in artificial intelligence, so I don't know that I trust him anyway. <laughs> yeah, he might be pulling from dictionary.com. Uh, yeah, because both pronunciations are out there, extant and extant. Right. If you look it up in the dictionary, both are acceptable. So just a little, little strange. But where we're coming from, if you guys are tuning into this podcast via goldenspiralmedia.com and perhaps are not familiar with our other work, we actually have been doing a podcast for a couple of years now, two years in a month, probably for continuum called the liberate continuum podcast and been really enjoying talking about that show. And Dave, you've had other projects as well, right? I've also been for just like you said, just about two years doing a lost girl podcast with Wayne and we certainly focus lost girl is our primary focus, but we pretty much, talk about anything sci-fi supernatural or horror and you know basically whatever we feel like talking about at the moment right and even with continuum the continuum podcast we also during the hiatus tend to talk about all kinds of different genre shows and sometimes even movies and topics that interest us and so this was just a little bit of a different project for us to do during the continuum hiatus continuum just ended and extant is just about to start so figured why not join the uh growing golden spiral media family we've been admirers of daryl darnell for quite some time even before we were podcasting and it's a great honor to be uh, joining his website and producing some content for him and and the other hosts that all the genre fans can enjoy there's something for everybody yep but a little bit about us dave and i started our podcasting careers during summer break because we both teach yeah, and fortunately or unfortunately, fortunately, I think for us, we are in close proximity during the course of the school day, which uh, yeah makes it nice if we want to talk podcasting, which we often do. Uh, I'm an English teacher by trade and, and also teach journalism. Yep, and I am in the library. They call us media specialists these days and also teach television production. So our, yeah, our classrooms right near each other. I teach my TV class in Dave's classroom and... 
it's allowed us for a lot of discussion, which we didn't get actually Dave for extant. We've been sort of hurting in that case because there's a lot of, like we said, lack of information out there about the show. And we're really kind of taking a gamble by doing this podcast. And what it boils down to is I just get this feeling that this could be something very special. Yeah. Well, I, I think first of all, any of our listeners from the Continuum podcast or Lost Girl or even our, our podcast we did for TV Talk know that I'm really anti-spoiler. And, you know, I was thinking about this today, Mike, that on the one hand, we've been complaining that there's a lack of information about the show. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I yeah. don't really know much. <laughs> That's true. I mean, even the, the previews that have been out there have really only focused on two very small parts, only of the premiere. They're not giving away huge chunks. And it's really just premise type stuff, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. But I guess, Dave, you'll have to be kind of like the hopeful skeptic. And, and I'll be the uh, going with my gut optimist here. And we'll see where it, where it takes us. Well, I think one thing, it, it seems to be the primary summer show of CBS. And, and obviously CBS right now is, is rolling at the number one spot and they have for a while. Uh, they've brought a, an Academy Award winner in Halle Berry on board. And, and you'd like to think that they've assembled a stable of writers that would be equal to the task. And, you know, I, I think I'm more optimistic than maybe you think I am. Okay, good. Yeah, because it is it is kind of a gamble and we're, we're waiting to see how it pans out. We came up with the name Dark Matter out of the <laughs> complete vacuum of things to base our name on. I think, Dave, I played around with Seraphim Station for a little while. That was That's the name of the space station that uh, Molly Woods is stationed on, played by Halle Berry. But Dark Matter... It kind of had a double entendre, didn't it? It's like the dark matter of space, but also the matters that we may discuss. Right, the dark matters that may be at play here, because there there certainly is a conspiracy element that, again, at least in the two-minute promos that we've seen, that, that, that may be a focal point here. Oh, gosh, there's a tiny, tiny, tiny little hint that there might be some conspiracy, government conspiracy type stuff. So, yeah, there, it seems to be there's a lot of stuff for everyone. And I think what really encourages me the most, to be honest, Dave, is that this is clearly not a procedural. <laughs> and I think a lot of times if they try to do plots of the week, it can be harmful to hard sci-fi fans like you and I. And because Under the Dome uh, was such a big hit last summer... I think they're just trying to duplicate that success with a show that is designed to be serial in nature. And you know, sci-fi fans like serial shows. Right. And, and the fact that they've just locked in at 13 episodes, mm -hmm. they don't need to do a procedural. Yeah. And, and the idea here is, guys, uh, just like with Under the Dome, it's supposed to be a self-contained season. Under the Dome could have ended it didn't because it was successful and they renewed it for some more and the writing team got back to work. Now that could happen here. It might not, but I'll tell you if it is something that could have closure at the end of season one, I'm all for that because I like those self-contained storylines anyway, but just getting started here with our social media and other things like that. I actually did start up a Twitter account, Dave. It's I did see that today. Dark matter GSM. The GSM of course is for golden spiral media and have been tweeting out whatever things I could find out there, including sneak peeks and and promos and all that kind of stuff. And it's only been a few days. We already have our first follower from the cast, Sergio Harford, plays Marcus, who is the alien-type 
person who's in a human form up on the space station. <laughs> uh, I, I get the hint that it's uh, Molly Wood's ex-boyfriend that this alien force has chosen to take the form of. But he was our ninth follower as of today at four o'clock. Uh, and there's not a whole lot of cast members on Twitter, which makes it a little bit discouraging for someone like me who likes to engage that way. Uh, Mickey Fisher, the, the creator of the series, Sergio Harford, who is uh, obviously a small role. And then the makeup artist, <laughs> Wendy Lynn Avignon, that's pretty much it. But we do get some information on Twitter and one of them did come from Wendy Lynn. And that is that they are currently filming episode 113. So they're still finishing up filming even now. And uh, so I think they'll be ready for fan interaction and fan reaction uh, very soon, almost coinciding with the premiere next Wednesday. Yeah. And you never know. I think a lot of them may just end up coming on board as the season progresses. Yeah, that'd be great. So, all right. Well, you want to talk a little bit about the premise of the show? Sure. All right. So Molly Woods, who's the central character played by Halle Berry, is a NASA astronaut who's returning from a 13-month mission alone on a space station and discovers she's pregnant. Obviously, that's a problem since she was alone. <laughs> uh, she appears to be hiding information about some kind of experience she had, including erasing camera footage. Meanwhile, her husband, John Woods, is a pioneer in artificial intelligence and has created an android as a son for him and his wife, who is infertile. Ethan acts strangely at times, and while Molly's worried by it, John ascribes it to his missing his mother and other human emotions. Previews hint at a possible conspiracy and that others may know what really happened to Molly. Ethan even makes a statement about saving humans from extinction. So, Mike, it looks like we've got basically you know, a couple different storylines. I mean, the whole AI storyline with her son, mm -hmm. the alien intervention or you know wh whatever she experiences up on the space station, and then the conspiracy that kind of uh, encompasses perhaps all of it. Yeah, exactly. It's a three-pronged attack. Uh, it could be a first contact kind of thing, but it seems like maybe some members of the government maybe already know that these aliens are out there. And this is a lot of extrapolation to take from such a small amount of promotional material. But yeah, it looks like we've got the robot son. We've got the Molly being pregnant mysteriously and the government conspiracy. But sort of in there also is the family dynamic, given that the android son seems to be acting strangely and and I, I feel like the husband is in denial about it a little bit whereas molly is acknowledging that this is not a human child and then also the fact that molly seems to be hiding part of it and is being secretive and that creates some alienation as well so this show could be about the nature of life it could be about alienation in both the alien sense the uh, extraterrestrial sense as well as the uh, feeling separated from each other. And so there's a lot of dynamics that really could play off each other very nicely, as long as it doesn't distract from each other. Because I almost feel like that AI versus the alien contact might interfere with each other, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, with 13 episodes, uh, on the one hand, it, it's not a lot, but I think what we've learned with genre shows, if it's well-written, 13's plenty. And the thing I like about the AI story, and again, we're extrapolating a lot from a minimal amount of information, but with the child, you know, that whole idea of what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be a sentient being? 
well, we saw it in Almost Human. Of course, that show didn't get picked up, but we've seen it in things like Blade Runner and, and RoboCop and, for that matter, even Terminator. It's interesting that you bring up Almost Human as well, because, of course, the Android part of it is there, and and perhaps we'll see some learning on the part of Ethan as to what it's like to be human or what, what it means to be human. Uh, but Almost Human was really the the first kind of show like this where when it was being promoted, I was like, yes, this is the show that I could really get into. And it did disappoint me. I'll be honest. Uh, I was not one of those ones that was surprised or annoyed when it got canceled. And yet here we have another one that has that same vibe to me set in the very near future. And we're going to see a lot of technological innovations, not just the Android sun, but other things too will pop up that will show us that we are in the near future. And I love that stuff. It's something where it feels real because it's set in the present and yet it has that sci-fi vibe as well. So uh, we'll see. But let's talk a little bit about the origins of this show and where it came from, because it's kind of an interesting story. Oh, fascinating story. I mean, listen, this is the kind of story that if it doesn't really just hit you in the gut in a good way, then you've got something wrong. (laughs) Especially if you're a writer, an aspiring writer. Uh, Mickey Fisher is actually the creator of the show. They've got Greg Walker as showrunner. He's actually a veteran showrunner, and rightfully so that Mickey Fisher is more of a novice uh, in the TV field. But So Greg Walker is the creator of Vegas. That was his big show that he did. And he was also on Without a Trace, Uh, so... Those are some shows that he's proven himself on, but Mickey is really the creator. Uh, He was a writer and director out of Ohio, has done very small independently produced films, including crowdsourced stuff. And what he did was very interesting is that he entered his extant pilot script into a contest at trackingb.com and he became a finalist. And that's where it garnered the attention of others. Uh, started out by gathering the attention of some folks from William Morris who were looking at the contest in, from a completely different standpoint. The uh, coordinator from William Morris of Young Lit, like, I guess that's like the Hunger Games type people <laughs> at the agency. You know how we talked about a couple of times on our podcast, Dave, about some of the young adult literature out there that that makes really good TV and movies. Yeah. So Alyssa Bauer, she picked up the script and and said, you know, this is something special. And she showed it to some folks at William Morris who then shopped it around and it started off a feeding frenzy. And one of the people who was interested in it was Steven Spielberg. In fact, I think uh, Bauer even mentioned that this script is so Spielberg, it's not even funny. And sure enough, Amblin Entertainment bought it on Mickey Fisher's 40th birthday, as if this wasn't dramatic enough. And in Entertainment Weekly, we heard that in the fall of 2013, the spec script started a feeding frenzy in Hollywood with just about every major TV player, ABC, FX, Netflix, you name it, trying to buy the sci-fi thriller. Yeah, In fact, I think I read somewhere that Spielberg himself called him on his 40th birthday to tell yeah. them that they were picking it up. Yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> That's great. What a great birthday present. So as soon as uh, CBS prevailed, CBS Entertainment Chairman Nina Tasser knew exactly who she wanted to play Molly Woods. And fortunately, Halle Berry was very taken with the script. Yeah. And and again, in one of the interviews that I'm sure you saw also, she brought out the point that I think you and I and genre fans have known for a long time. There are a lot of good roles out there for women 
in the genre field. Strong women. Yes, strong women. And, and she fortunately was attracted to it. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. Now, the pilot episode was directed by Alan Coulter. And, and again, kind of a newcomer. He's directed two films, Hollywoodland and Remember Me, which I actually did see with Robert Pattinson, uh, Emily DeRaven, who oh, we know as Lost. Claire from Lost, Pierce Brosnan, who's been in tons of stuff. He was James Bond. He right, was, yeah. Point, right. <laughs> and the thing about that movie, and I don't want to give anything away, but on the one hand, some people see the ending as contrived and manipulative. I happen to see it as the epitome of, man, did I not see that coming? And it was really an emotional ending. I mean, I think it's a film that's definitely worth seeing, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, it's called Remember Me, and you know, it, it really, really uh, struck a chord with me. And hopefully he'll be directing more. At this point, he, it may just be the pilot. We don't know, but we'll see. Yeah, and of course, that's the kind of ending we want to see out of this. Some unexpected things, some twists, some turns, and things like that. Well... Uh, Halle Berry, how did she get involved in this? Because, of course, she's a big Hollywood actress, Oscar-winning actress who has uh, won all kinds of awards. And so how did they get her? Well, she just had a baby, Dave. I think she had her baby at age 46, if I'm not mistaken. And so she's got some family to raise. And so how does that fit into an actress's schedule? Where, Well, with a show like this, where you only have 13 episodes produced in a very short amount of time, it fits, right? Yeah, absolutely. So she says, for five months a year, I'll get to live with and play this incredibly intelligent and vulnerable woman. And for the remainder of the year, I'll continue to look for other roles that move me as deeply as this one. Which kind of implies that she might be assuming there will be more seasons of this show and she's up for it. So that's encouraging. Well, yeah, and I think that's one of the things that draws the film stars to the small screen is that, you know, now with more and more shows going to shorter seasons, they're, they're willing to do that. Not to mention the fact that there really are so many good roles, as we've said in TV. Right, exactly. And I think people are starting to realize that. In fact, Halle Berry says, I was being offered parts that I felt like I had done before. So it's not like she was a stranger to being offered television parts, but she says they weren't exciting enough for me to leave my family for four months. I realized some of the best writing, especially for women, was on television. The minute I started to read Extant, I couldn't put it down. I thought, wow, this is different. It's innovative. Molly is a strong female character, which I really love to play. Molly is a complicated woman with a complicated family. Who is a woman who goes away to space for a year and leaves her husband, first of all? Who is a woman who comes back pregnant and tries to handle it somehow on her own? That just felt like a complication that I wanted to be a part of. Now, Dave, Halle Berry is reportedly earning more than $100,000 an episode, and she was also credited as co-executive producer for the upcoming CBS sci-fi series, according to Belfast Telegraph. So that's a big chunk going to the star. And I think because it's a sci-fi series that's in the near future, they probably can afford it. Well, I think so, too. And when you look at, say, what the, the stars on NCIS are making, yeah. uh, which is much, much more than that. Um, yeah, and I'm sure she's accustomed to making more than that, typically. Right. But again, as you said, there's so many things that work in her favor. And, and number one, she's able to stay with her family, I would think. Yeah, that's right. I think that's a big factor. Now, we've got some second screen content for the show, too, don't we? 
Yeah, we got a mission diary, and uh, there have been two entries so far. At least that's what I saw. Did you see anything different? The, the second one, I think, just came out either today or yesterday. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, th- things she's doing while she's in space, and <laughs> it got, you know, kind of innocuous stuff. Yeah, uh, she's very bored <laughs> yeah. while she's in space. And I think they're just kind of trying to have some fun with it, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But perhaps they'll do something with that on the CBS website. You never know. Yeah, no, I think you're more of a fan of that second screen content than I am. I did see, on, I think it was on the first one, it also had a log of her calls home. Yeah, it had a little chat window on the side. Uh, she was talking with her son in the first Mission Diary, and she was talking with Sam, her friend, played by Cameron Mannheim, in the second one. And basically it just reinforces the idea that she's very bored up in space, which if you think about it, could contribute to a feeling that this experience that she's going to be having could be all in her head. And I think they're going to probably try and play with that doubt a little bit. I mean, you know, when you're alone in space for a year. Right. Now, (laughs) do we, do we know that she's infertile or are we just inferring that because her husband created a child for her? No, that's in the literature. Oh, that is okay. Yeah. That's out there. I mean, 13 months out in space as if that's not enough. (laughs) to disprove the fact that she could become pregnant add to that the fact that she's infertile and you've got like a recipe for no possible way this could happen so i think they're just trying to make it as as amazing as possible (laughs) all right now now you were telling me about amazon and and what they're paying what's that all about well they've got some exclusivity with regard to under the dome and extant where they're going to be actually airing the episodes four days after they air on the network itself. Now, this is very unusual. Normally, uh, the websites themselves, cbs.com, that sort of thing, have exclusive rights to air the show. And then afterwards, Netflix or someone else will pick it up after the season is completely done. So Amazon is getting them very quickly. iTunes also usually does that as well. So uh, they paid 900000 per episode for that privilege. So definitely uh, Amazon is banking on it. <laughs> Well, they'll be able to pay uh, Halle Berry's salary, I guess. With uh... That's right, just with that alone. Yeah. But there's been a couple extended previews out there, if anyone is interested in seeing it before next Wednesday when we start our podcast discussion in earnest. Uh, they've got a scene where Molly Woods, I'm not going to spoil it, but where Molly Woods and John Woods are sort of arguing about Ethan and how he feels, quote unquote, as an android child about his mother's year-long absence. And then there's another one that just came out today that shows the actual encounter between Molly and what is being billed as her ex-lover, Marcus, played by Sergio Harford, who I mentioned earlier was following us on Twitter. So apparently, whoever this is, alien or otherwise, is taking the form of someone that Molly knows. All right, and that's the guy that's writing, help me in the condensation of the window? You got it. Exactly right. So those are the two extended previews that are out there. You can catch them on YouTube as well as the CBS website. All right. Now, Mike, would you say that genre fans are a little bit particular in the actors that are hired to play in their shows? I think they like to see actors and actresses that have sci-fi cred yeah so we're gonna we're gonna talk about the sci-fi cred that the different actors in the show have and we'll start with Halle Berry who plays Molly Woods and look everybody knows Halle Berry uh you may have forgotten though that she is the only African-American to win the best actress award and that was for Monsters Ball she's also Jungle Fever Boomerang but 
Sci-fi cred. She's been in four X-Men movies. Of course, yeah. Starting with the 2000 X-Men, 2003 X-Men United, X-Men The Last Stand, and then, of course, the 2014 X-Men Days of Future Past. As Storm. Yes, she was also in Gothica, which was a supernatural horror film. Yeah, I liked that one. Yeah, that was good. Now, I didn't see it, but uh, 2004 Catwoman, which a lot of critics call perhaps the worst film ever made. (laughs) And then uh, a film that we've talked about, 2012's Wachowski siblings film Cloud Atlas. So she's got a fairly deep catalog in the genre field. Yeah, and I think that that should go a long way. I think the biggest selling point of Halle Berry is her depth of emotion. I mean, she can drop a tear as quick as you can breathe. I mean, it's like amazing to watch, whether it's uh, out of amazement, out of sadness. uh, She is great at pulling out these emotions, and I think that's really going to help her a lot. So, Well, well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And we've said this many times. Good sci-fi, it's not about the science. It's not about the technology. It's about the people. And it's about the way they react to things. And and just as you said, I think she's going to be wonderful. And hopefully the scripts will be able to keep up with her talents. Yes, yes. That is the key. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Whether or not the script writing contest pilot script can then be carried forward for 13 episodes, you know. So that's going to be the key. Goran Viznich, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, plays John Woods. And of course, he's best known for, gosh, nine years worth of playing Dr. Luca Kovach on ER. And his sci-fi cred is not completely absent. <laughs> he played the co-lead in Electra, which of course starred Jennifer Garner of Alias, who played the warrior assassin based on the comic character. So that's one point for him. Yeah, and uh, I think a, an overlooked film. I think a lot of people really dismiss that film. And I think in, in the age now where we're really recognizing shows like Arrow and, and, of course, Flash upcoming, it's probably worth a look. I, I really liked it. I've seen it several times. Yeah, that was in the age when they weren't quite as good as they were. So to have a success in the comic book movie field was was definitely a, a good thing. Yeah. Now, we also have Pierce Gagnon, who plays uh, Ethan Woods. And 2012's Looper and played Sid, the future Rainmaker. And again, if you've seen Looper, I don't need to explain to you what (laughs) what that means. But uh, man, he was such a mature seeming kid in that movie. Oh, yeah. And the thing that I am wondering about is, of course, in that movie, he played up his anger whenever he, he showed his powers and it came across so well. Now here he's playing an android. Is he going to have the same emotional impact playing sort of an emotionless android? Because, of course, in the promos, he does have the creepy kid factor. But, yeah, I'll be interested to see uh, if he can carry that same power that he had in Looper, which, which I just really, really loved him in that movie. Now, another actress that I really love from Person of Interest is Cameron Mannheim. She plays Molly's best friend, Sam Barton, in Extant. And she's perhaps best known for her... Uh, Emmy award-winning performance in The Practice for a good seven years. She played Eleanor Fruit on that. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name correctly, but that's what most people know her from. But lately, I think her role as Control in Person of Interest has really gotten a lot of attention from sci-fi fans. And you and I have talked, Dave, about how Person of Interest kind of skirts the line between genre and 
a regular procedural show. Sure. But sure. but I'll tell you, the government conspiracy type stuff, she plays that very well. And of course, she's doing a completely different role here, but she's got the sci-fi cred. All right. Now, uh, Grace Gummer, who plays Julie Gellino, best known 2013-2014 Newsroom as Hallie Shea. Do you watch Newsroom? I watched the first couple episodes, and it wasn't really my bag of tricks, but but I do remember her, and she was quite good in that. I can't believe I don't watch it because Munn's in it. But And you teach journalism. Uh, <laughs> I teach, uh, forget that, Olivia Munn's in it. Did I mention that? All right. uh, now, also, sci-fi cred, 2013 Zero Hour as FBI agent Paige Willis. And, you know, that was an interesting show. Did you watch it? I did. My wife loved it, and we were very sad when it got canceled. Yeah, I mean, I think they only aired like four yeah. or five episodes. They didn't even let it finish. It had uh, another ER <laughs> alum in it. I uh, can't remember his name all of a sudden, but he, he played Dr. Green on ER. And yeah, Zero Hour is really good. And she was and Grace Gummer was very good in that as well. So I'm glad she's getting another chance to uh, show her sci-fi cred in this show. And then there's a couple of more minor characters. Uh, one is a, a character actor that we see all over the place. His name is Michael O'Neill. He plays Alan Sparks. And you probably saw him in the promo. He's the one that's asking Halle Berry, what she did with the security footage. Like, why is there missing security footage? He's the right. guy with the mustache. He's best known for all kinds of things. He played Nick Ford in the recent Bates Motel. He's played all kinds of government types, usually senators or secret service agents. I think he played a secret service agent in West Wing. And he was former NCIS agent McAllister in NCIS, Dave. I don't know if you remember him. I do. Yeah. So, but he's got some sci-fi cred too, believe it or not, even as stodgy and, and government agent type person that he is, he was in the original Transformers movie back in 2007 and he had a couple guest spots on fringe and flash forward. So looking forward to seeing him cause he, he is a, a great character actor. Right. And then the last one, you're, you're not going to recognize him from his name. Uh, Hiroyuki Sonata, who plays Hideki Yasumoto in Extant. Best known, his sci-fi cred, 2013's Helix as Dr. Hitaki, but Lost fans are going to know him as the head of the temple, Dogen. Yeah, Saeed took him out pretty early, though. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking forward to him. I mean, in Helix, he was kind of a government conspiracy type head of the lab as well, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't watch too many episodes of Helix, but I think that's what Dr. Hitaki was all about. So it looks like in this one, he's playing an industrialist who is dealing with uh, John Woods in some way with, with the AI and all that. So looking forward to seeing him in a, at least a couple episodes. So that's our cast. And there's plenty more other cast members as well that we did not mention that are playing smaller roles. But uh, those are listed as the, not the recurring roles, what do you call it? Series regulars. Right. Right. So leading into the opening discussion, when we start with uh, episode one next week, there's already some questions that I'm wondering what are going to show up. And we brought up one already, Dave, and that is, is this going to be an alien contact story, a government conspiracy tale, or an artificial life tale? Right. See, now you're concerned that they're going to kind of get in each other's way, mm -hmm. whereas I, I feel confident that the three of them can weave together. The, the interesting thing about the alien contact story is that it, it appears as if the alien contact is made while she's in space, where lately we've been getting the alien invasion stories, you know, like falling skies, defiance and things like that. And 
Yeah. Are they going to show up on Earth? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm guessing no, but but again, we never know. Now, the government conspiracy tale, as you've alluded to, clearly the government knows something about what's going on. And we're not doing predictions this early, so I'll, I'll hold back on what I think maybe is going to take place here. But then the whole artificial life thing, again, I'm just fascinated, that whole theme of what does it really mean to be human? And again, we don't know how far they're going to take this, but we, we've seen it done so well so many times. One that I forgot to mention earlier, of course, Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. Yep, definitely. And the, the role that technology plays in all that. Yeah. And in fact, I feel like this uh, Hideki Yasumoto is going to be someone who's going to want to use the artificial intelligence piece of things to his own advantage because there was a graphic that showed up on Facebook that showed Hiroyuki Sanada as industrialist immortal. And so they used the word immortal. I'm like, wait a minute, are we going to have a thing where people are trying to put themselves inside Android bodies or is this going to tie into the alien plot somehow? So I really enjoyed seeing that. Well, now we're into Caprica areas. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. Using the artificial intelligence or the robot bodies to further your own life. So, yeah, I could be down with that. All right. So what's Molly hiding? Yeah. Like, if it's something that happened to her, is she worried that people will think she's crazy? Well, I, I think that's probably the the foremost, you know, again, in the minimal amount that we've seen as she's meeting with, I guess it's the NASA psychologist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's her primary concern uh, other than the fact of don't let my husband know I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. As if he's not going to find out. Yeah. So yeah. What's the motivation there? Are we going to believe John that Ethan is a real boy with real emotions or are we going to agree with Molly that he's just a robot that can't actually love her? He's just executing a series of commands that John has programmed into him. So I'll be interested to see what side the audience falls under, or is it going to be purposely ambiguous so that we can choose what we really think about right. Ethan's existence? Well, right. And it, it also, it, it kind of implies that there might be some sort of a struggle between the husband and wife. Perhaps she didn't even want the child to begin with. That's right. Maybe he was playing on the fact that they couldn't have a child, and this is not the solution that she wanted. Right. Um, now, we've kind of talked about, clearly there are others that know what happened to Molly. We don't know who they are and what they know. But what's the reason for impregnating a human if aliens are truly involved? I mean, again, we've seen the alien-human hybrid done many times and not that you can't do it but it'll be interesting to see if that's in fact what's going on here and, and the way they they handle it yeah and i start to my mind starts to race with possibilities like perhaps the people who know about it have some kind of deal with the aliens to allow this to happen and put molly in that place specifically to offer her up that kind of thing well and then it kind of neatly segues into the title of the show yeah now extant is that, first of all, it's a strange name to pick from the standpoint of the audience is going to have to pronounce it and talk about it around the water cooler. <laughs> so we really have to know how to pronounce it. But it's really cool that it's the opposite of extinction. Extent means uh, surviving, uh, continuing to exist. So why is extinction discussed? Because we hear Ethan mention that in his drawing, he has put the people in the spaceship to save them from extinction. So why is this being discussed? Is this a danger? 
Yeah, maybe it goes back to what you just said a minute ago, that, that the aliens have made some sort of a deal and that otherwise the human race is on the verge of extinction and this is a way to continue it. Is ah. this the, the next step on the evolutionary ladder for the human race, uh, a la Arthur C. Clarke's Childhood's End? I mean, again, there are so many ways it could go. Yes, are, alien, are the aliens benefactors? Or are they uh, people who are there to conquer? So, yeah. And I have the feeling that whatever form the alien contact plot takes, it's going to be extremely understated. It's not going to be falling skies with skitters running everywhere. No. <laughs> now, Dave, we've got some concerns about the show going into it and also some hopes. So we're cautiously optimistic. We obviously want this show to succeed because we're talking about it and we want to have some fun things to talk about. But... How do some of these concerns and hopes match up? All right. Well, on the good side, we've got a robot kid and alien encounter. Hey, what could be better? That's pretty deep. <laughs> on the flip side of that, though, like I mentioned, it may distract viewers and divide their attention. Now, as we were talking in the podcast, I'm coming over to your side, Dave. I think it's going to add depth. I think it's going to be a good thing. Yep. All right. Now, on the good side, the script was hot and everybody wanted it. And they wanted it early. So that's what these people do for a living. So, And on the flip side of that, we talked about Mickey Fisher is new and unproven, but perhaps he's, you know, kind of a prodigy. And the other part of that is, of course, he's coming into a writer's room for the first time. Are the other writers involvement going to be able to duplicate the success of his original script? Yeah. And I did read one of his concerns was that now, you know, that he's involved in this project, he's not really involved. I mean, he's not <laughs> writing any of the other scripts. I mean, he's there, but. Yeah, he said he's acclimating to the writer's room and, and it's something he's never really dealt with, but I think he likes it. I think it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Now, there is a significant amount of star power in Halle Berry and this guy named Steven Spielberg, <laughs> which you might have heard of. And of course, that is probably going to bring in the ratings, at least for the premiere. And uh, There has been a lot of publicity on CBS, certainly, and billboards and buses and things like that. But it won't matter a lick, Dave, if the story doesn't engage the audience. And so it doesn't matter if you've got a star, if the writing is bad. I mean, Catwoman is a perfect example. <laughs> right. Although, on the other hand, Under the Dome was successful last summer. Yeah, and they're trying to bank on that. And is that something where they're going to be returning to the well too many times? I mean... Can lightning strike twice for CBS here? Yeah. Now, you always run the risk when you center a show around a child actor. <laughs> so Pierce Gagnon was great in Looper. He better be great here. Yeah. And if there are multiple seasons, how are we going to explain him aging? <laughs> it's like when Arnold in The Terminator shows up and he's 50. Yeah, no, and, <laughs> and what would he be? Is he actually an android or is he a cyborg or do we actually know yet? I'm pretty and, sure they're going to be using the term android. Okay. I'm pretty right. sure I saw that. But perhaps they've got some technology that will allow him to age. Maybe he wasn't always this size. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, cyborg sounds a little threatening. We associate it with the Terminator too much. All right. Promo material certainly looks hot. I mean, it, it draws you right in and that's obviously a good thing but there's not much of it. And I'm hoping that more people will show up on Twitter because I think that's important for live tweets and engaging fans. Yeah. And I think we've learned that a lot over the last couple of years, the importance of social media and, and the fact that so many more shows are acknowledging that it's important and, and they're kind of pushing their, 
their staff and their stars to get engaged. And I, I think a lot of them like it. Yeah. Now, I mentioned that this show does remind me of how I felt before Almost Human. I was stoked about that show when it when it was being promoted. Yeah, but it turned out to be not so good. <laughs> um, I, I quit after the second episode. And so I'm worried that that might be the case here, too. Hopefully not. Yeah, but something that's good for us. Anytime there's conspiracy and speculation, that makes for a good podcast. So we're on board with that. Lots of good discussion points, yeah. And so if there's a bad story and you and I, Dave, are not engaged in it, if we're not really enjoying it, it's going to come across. And yeah. so we don't want that to be the case. That being said, though, we are going to be honest, right, Dave? Right, right. We're not going to sugarcoat. Right. And we've been very fortunate in our podcasting career to not have to do that very often. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I feel like we've gotten extremely lucky and I'm, I'm rolling the dice again here. <laughs> yep, yep. All right. And then the last really cool thing is that whole idea, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, extant as the opposite of extinct. I mean, really, how cool is that? Because you've got a theme built into the title. Uh, so it's going to be the nature of life, but also the danger of extinction or continuing to exist. But, of course, we mentioned the downside of that, and that is that it's hard to pronounce not cool. <laughs> Hopefully someone will tell us how to say it soon. And I'm sure that will be like on Entertainment Tonight or something where someone will ask that question for us. <laughs> Previously on Extant. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be extant, to be honest. But uh, we'll wait and see. But uh, there's a lot to talk about, and we're hoping that you guys will stick around for our episode discussion. And that's it for this week for Dark Matter. And keep up with show news and fan interaction on Twitter by following us at Dark Matter GSM, as well as other Golden Spiral Media podcasts by following GSM Podcasts. And Mike and I will be back next week with our discussion of the series premiere of Extant entitled re-entry but until then you can feel free to visit goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback to share your thoughts you can write a message record a comment using your computer's microphone or call 304-837-2278 see you next week <laughs>